And we're thinking uh, this evening of historical connections, and Newton Arts is ideally placed, isn't it, to help us to to understand uh, the message of this chapter as we think of, of Scrabble Tower. And as we, we see that, uh, and every time we, we notice it, uh, perhaps it fills you with joy uh, as you uh, approach uh, the town, that, that there is the place uh, connected to your home and, and many, many memories. Uh, and so that tower uh, really helps us in understanding uh, this chapter, its significance, message and meaning uh, for our lives uh, that, that tower, and I know I, I in Ballylagan, when I used farming illustrations, I, I was a way out of my depths there. And probably as I'm speaking about Scrabble Tower, uh, there are many experts uh, around us here, uh, which you have learned at school and have studied and, and read uh, books on. But built around 1859, I, I understand, and built to, to be a memorial uh, to, to the third Marcus of, of Londonderry, wasn't that right, who, who owned land uh, in this region? I'm trying to look at Trevor at this point, but uh, <coughs> uh, it's, 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 it's roughly in that area that, that it's built to be prominent, to be seen, uh, to be a memorial to, to someone, uh, to something important in the past, to have this lasting legacy so that we in our time and, and even in this evening are, are talking about it and thinking about it and learning something from the past about it. And as we come uh, to this fourth chapter in Joshua, this is the, the idea, the principle uh, that we are to, to, to grasp and adopt as we look through these windows into Christ church, that there is this historical connection within the church of Christ that is established and meant to be there. I don't know how your memory is uh, these days. Uh, are, are you someone who is struggling uh, to remember names and, and numbers and jobs to do uh, as you come from the upstairs of your house to the downstairs? Do you sometimes struggle to remember uh, the purpose uh, of that movement uh, within your premises? Some people have aids to help their memories, those stickers on their fridge. Some people uh, mark their hand uh, to remember something that they are to, to do that day. Memory is something which we admire and uh, we wonder at those who have great powers of memories, uh, to, memory to remember numbers and locations and, and facts uh, in quizzes and so on, but perhaps uh, we struggle with our, our memory. And, and that is uh, something which the church recognizes and, and God recognizes and in this chapter is addressing that these stones are being set up so that we will remember Peter writing in his letter. He is anticipating that his readers will be people like ourselves who are prone uh, to forget, to forget the, the essence of Christian living, to forget the, the promise of future glory, and he gives to them a letter. And that letter is something concrete, tangible, visible, readable, which will help them to remember what they are called to and the grace of Christ which has been brought to them and in which they stand. And within the church here in the Old Testament, in this chapter, there is this edifice to help the memory, 
of God's people that they will not forget this event and in not forgetting this event, not forget their God. You see how this chapter climaxes as the previous one did in in this uh, tremendous statement uh, at the end in verse number 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This was the intention of these stones, that they would remember this glorious miracle of crossing the Jordan River. They will remember the God who is their God and will provide for them uh, and guide them. And so, as we look through the the windows into the church and and using this fourth chapter, we, we have this principle that there are these historical connections. That there are things within the Old Testament and New Testament church which connects us to actions in the past. And those actions in the past are to bring us to God and to remind us of God's provision and his power. And so in our church year, for example, the church generally has established Reformation Day, 31st of October. And Reformation Day is to make that historical connection to the Reformation of the 16th century. And we on on that day are encouraged to look back and and remember the historical events of that time and, and to remind ourselves of the essence of our doctrine and the truths that we are to believe. Within the church there is communion, isn't there? Uh, and this is, is like these stones, uh, an historical connection, connecting us. This do, Jesus says, in remembrance of me. It's connecting us to, to the death of Christ. Uh, and as we see the emblems and partake of the emblems, like this chapter, we are connecting to the God of grace, the one who's provided salvation in Jesus Christ. This is a dimension of the church of Christ. There are these historical connections. The rainbow is another one, isn't it? God placing the rainbow in the sky that we will see that and we will remember the historical event of the flood and God's promise not to flood the earth again in judgment. And so we come to this this fourth attribute of the the church of Christ. That that within the church, as we look through the windows into the church, we have these emblems, these reminders of historical events. The Bible itself is 43% historical narrative. Almost half of the Bible is recounting historical events. The Bible at the very center of our worship and our our living is, is making these connections to events in the past which guide us and warn us and comfort us, like like this one here, the crossing of the Jordan. So this is a dimension of Christ's church these historical connections 
which bring us to God and reveal his workings and ways to fill us with a reverence for him, as fear indicates, a a love for him, a trust in him. This is a dimension of Christ's church. So tonight we we just want to scrutinize uh, this one edifice uh, in this fourth chapter. Other times we look at communion, other times we study the rainbow and its significance. Uh, But this evening we're, we're thinking of this historical connection which was set up here in Gilgal for the people uh, to see. It's it's likely that there were two sets of stones and and I know this is discussed uh, and and disputed uh, but it seems clear to me in verse 9 that there are 12 stones that are set up in the River Jordan. Uh, The Jordan River, uh, you remember, uh, it was suspended in its flow from the city of Adam uh, there, there was this large part of the river uh, which was dry ground to allow the people to pass over. And in that part, which in its height was 10 feet uh, and in lower times would be round about 3 feet, uh, there were these 12 stones set up there. So there was one set of stones in the river and when the river would go down, then these stones would appear. And questions would be asked about the significance of these stones and, and the people could revisit this wonderful action of God and, and trust him and follow him again. But then there is the other set of stones that, that we're focusing on more particularly, which are carried in verse number 20 to, to, to Gilgal, which was a little journey from the river Jordan. Uh, And there in Gilgal, where the people were camping that night, uh, the word itself means circular, uh, and it could refer to a a set of stones, uh, like Stonehenge, uh, set up in a a circular form, not necessarily in an altar form that we might imagine, but in a circular form. Uh, And they were there. And they were to, to make this historical connection with the crossing of the river Jordan. So what about these stones then? And what do they mean? Well, their number, first of all, is significant, isn't there? In verse number 20, those 12 stones. <clears throat> Earlier in the chapter we read that Joshua commanded them to have one representative from each of the tribes uh, to, to carry the 12 stones. And I couldn't help think about Danny and I doing the slabbing uh, out the back, these guys uh, carrying these stones uh, along this uh, plain uh, down, to, down to Gilgal. 12 stones, one from each tribe. Large stones, representative of The people of God. Speaking of the the unity that was to characterize Christ's church. And and this was really important, wasn't it, at this time? Because here was God's people uh, passing over the River Jordan, leaving behind the land and settlement of two and a half of the tribes, Reuben, Gad, and, and Manasseh on that side. And there was the potential for a split 
and disunity between those on the east side and those on the west. And so these stones being set up here emphasizes in their number the unity that was to characterize God's people. You maybe remember when Elijah on Mount Carmel uh, built an altar, he also used 12 stones, emphasizing the unity that should mark God's people. And it is interesting, isn't it, that when there did come a division within the, the nation of Israel, it wasn't between the tribes on the east and the tribes on the west. It was between the tribes in the north and the tribes in the south. So here, this edifice, it is set up and it has this great message and as people walk past and people noticed it and, and people reflected on it, they, they would easily see, especially if they were set out in a circular form, they would see that there was 12 stones emphasizing the unity that's to mark Christ church. And this is to be a feature of Christ's church, isn't it? Don't those New Testament metaphors used to the church emphasize the unity that is to mark the universal church of Christ? The church is likened to being the body of Christ. And just as our body is an incredible unified being, each member contributing uh, to the other parts and sympathizing uh, with the parts that are pained uh, and rejoicing with the parts uh, which are honored. So the, the universal uh, body of Christ is to have this oneness, this unity. Wasn't this what Jesus Christ prayed for in John chapter 17 as he was going to the cross and then on to heaven that the church of Christ would be one? Even he says, Father, as we are one. What a prayer that is. What unity there is between God the Father and God the Son within the blessed Trinity. No discontent. No argument, no falling out, no pulling in different directions. This is Jesus' desire and prayer for his church that we would be one even as he and his Father are one. And here in this Old Testament historical edifice, the unity of God's people is emphasized. Is it something that characterizes us here within this congregation that we are people who promote unity within the congregation? That by our actions of care and interest and encouragement, that, that by our words not only of what we say but sometimes of what we don't say, we are people promoting the unity of Christ's church here. So the number of the stones of this, this historical edifice is, is significant for us and has a message for, for the people for, for all time since then. You, you see how uh, the chapter says uh, in verse 9, 
that the stones are there to this day. When the writer was recording this, they were still there. That's the stones that were in the riverbed. How much more the stones which were at Gilgal on the plain, they were there as a permanent preacher to the unity that should mark Christ's church. But the second attribute, and there's three attributes of the stones, the second attribute of these stones is their source. Their source. They were lifted uh, from the the riverbed and they were carried uh, to Gilgal. An incredible feat. These stones were evidently visible. They were obviously large. This was a a struggle for these individuals. Perhaps help was given to them as they oversaw this project. But they were taken from the, the very place where God's mighty work was performed. They are relics. They are connected to this miracle which he has done. And they are set out then on the plain of Gilgal that the people will see these stones and, and they will ask, where did they come from? And the answer will be, they actually came from the, 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 the riverbed of Jordan on the day when the mighty God of heaven brought his people across. What a day it was. And, and we thought this morning of, of how powerful this river was and of how deep this river was and how great God's mighty hand was in, in stopping this river's flow And so from that riverbed, created miraculously by their God, this relic, this memory, is taken and placed on the land. I had for a while a a, a little piece of the the dark hedges in my study, and, and it was... Good to to show people, interesting to show people, looking at that bark, uh, feeling its grooves and texture, thinking of its age and remembering its source. When we visit or see or witness pyramids, we ask, how did they get here? Where did they come from? The Kemp Stones up towards Dundonald, Massif. Where did they come from? How did they get there? The source of the stones is is interesting to us, not just their number, but their source. And, and, And so, in this historical memorial, people are to wonder and to ask and to remember where did they come from? God's mighty intervention has secured such a miracle. There are two historical accounts of the river Jordan ceasing to flow. One in 1267, recorded by an Arabian historian, 
noticing a, a landslide uh, plunging into the River Jordan and, and stopping its flow. Another cessation of the flow happened in 1927, uh, where the flow of the, the River Jordan w- was ended for a time. But this chapter was different. This was the intervention of the God of heaven. Suspending the flow of water. We notice the terminology at the end of chapter 3. That that it was up on a heap. That it was stopped and and stayed. That that there was this wall created and, and the rest flowed away. Here was God's divine intervention. And these stones are placed, taken from the riverbed to remind subsequent generations of God's power. And as we come this evening thinking and revisiting again, looking at these stones perhaps set in a circle at Gilgal, we are reminded that the Lord is mighty. As verse 24, that the hand of the Lord is mighty. We have our challenges. We have our problems. We have our hopes. We have our needs. We have our frustrations. And these standing stones at Gilgal contain this message. They have come from the very riverbed of Jordan and they are there saying to us, the hand of the Lord Our Lord is mighty. And we are to receive his power. To depend upon his power for our life. So the number of the stones uh, is is significant. Uh, The the source of the stones (coughs) is also significant. But but the third significance and intent of the stones is just the, the very sight of them themselves. And uh, a repeated verse uh, within the chapter uh, indicates that uh, these stones are to to spark questions uh, among young people. In verse 6, for example, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? That you will be able to answer that this was the time God brought his people. And again in verse 21, uh, the same idea is conveyed. When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? So here is an intention of God in having these stones erected. Not only their location and source, not only their number, but The very sight itself was to to spark the interest of the next generation. God was interested in his truth being passed on. In his works of power being carried over to the people coming behind. The children he specifies here asking. And children do ask They they see and they inquire that their minds are hungry to learn. And here they're identified as those who want to know the significance of these stones. The Passover was 
similarly set up that the children would ask the parents, what is the significance of this blood being shed and of this bread being eaten? And their parents would tell them again of the exodus from Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. Here is another and a similar intention of this other crossing of this powerful river that the children would ask their parents, what are these stones about? As children ask about Scrabble Tower, what is its purpose, its origin, and its meaning? And parents will be able to tell their children of the mighty God whom they serve and know and the one who has promised to be their God as well. What opportunities parents can have and you can imagine, can't you? You would do it, wouldn't you? You would take your family in the summer holidays down to Gilgal. You would say to them, come on, let's get the camels ready. Let's get, get the transport out. Let's head down to Gilgal. There's these tremendous stones down there. The children would come there and your intention would be that they would ask you, where did they come from? What's their meaning? How incredible they are and, and what a moment it would be in the life of your family to share with them the wonderful works of God. And what a challenge for those of us who are parents in our lives to, to engineer circumstances in our homes and in the life of our family that will prompt questions from our children and give us the opportunity to tell them of the mighty works of God. Perhaps it will come at family worship as you have your, your daily devotions with your family and you read a Bible story and suddenly the, the, the young children begin to ask questions about the narrative with inquiring minds and hungry hearts and you have the opportunity to bring to them this insight into the God whom you serve and whom they can know. And so these stones are just one of the many historical connections that are in the church of Christ. Ensuring that we don't forget the wonderful works of God. That, that we are reminded of his love, of his care, of his power, of the sacrifice of his son at, at, at Calvary for, for our sins, of the way of salvation here are these prompts, these reminders that we don't live our life as if today and now is all that's important. But that in Christ's church, there is this reminder of what has already passed. What is past is frozen. What is past is kept. What is past is preserved. What is past is influential. Now in our time, we can feed on it. We can use on it. We don't forget it. We remember what is past and we use it 
in the present. The number of the stones, the source of the stones, just the very sight of the stones had a purpose and significance. And what a missionary vision God had for these stones, didn't he? In the last verse. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. God not only had a concern and an interest that his church would be aware and be reminded of his power, but travelers through the land of Palestine would go past Gilgal and and round the Jordan River. And as they would pass those stones, as we pass Scrabble and the Kemp stones up near Dundonald, we begin asking questions. And these stones are going to be missionaries to the nations of the earth. That the hand of the Lord, it is mighty. We have the same calling and opportunity to proclaim this mighty, saving, powerful, keeping, ruling God. In our notion Natter, we have a, an opportunity online through our ministry. We have an opportunity to declare and be a witness to God who reigns and lives and serves among his people. 